I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. Welcome to a very special radio show, Cheeky Scientist Radio. I am your host, Isaiah Hankel, PhD, and today we are changing the format of this radio show because of the pandemic and because of the current recession that we are now in. Uh, Our goal on this radio show moving forward, my goal is to give you all of the information that you need for this to be the place where you can get the most up-to-date information on how to protect your PhD career. Um, This radio show, the goal of it's going to be to help you create a safety net for your career. We're going to talk about industry careers that are surging right now for PhDs. We're going to show you the data and we're going to lay out everything that's going to happen over the next few weeks, months, and years so that you are prepared, uh, so that you know the correct data, the right information. We're going to clean the data. We're going to clean the information for you so you're getting the most up-to-date knowledge available uh, so that you can find a solution, uh, so that you have a path forward, so that you don't stay insulated uh, inside the ivory tower, so that you don't bury your head in the sand or evade reality, but instead uh, you have a a clear path in front of you because you have the right information. Uh, Because you're here, Uh, you're going to be rewarded. You're going to be able to create a plan. We're going to help you make that plan. We're going to cover what the job search methodology looks like for a PhD during a recession. And it is very different than the methodology that a PhD should follow when the hiring market is at the highest levels ever. So I'm going to start by laying the groundwork in terms of where we are now and where we're headed. And of course, to know where we are now and where we're headed, we have to know where we just came from. And we just came from the highest level of hiring ever for PhDs worldwide. Now, of course, some countries were hiring more. They were in a different cycle of of the economy uh, and of the hiring markets and and other countries uh, were low. Some countries were high and so forth. Um, But overall, worldwide, PhD hiring was up over 500%. It has exceeded 500%. More PhDs were being hired than ever before. More people were being hired than ever before. But do you know what that means? You might have a lot of academic training, a lot of PhD training in your specific background, but what does it mean in a business? Think about it in the, suite, the C-suite. You're, in, you're managing the resources for a company. Uh, hiring is at the highest level ever, which means that there are fewer job candidates uh, compared to the number of jobs available. So there's more uh, supply of jobs than there is demand from job candidates. So what do you have to do? You have to pay more to hire somebody. You have to spend tens of tens of thousands of dollars or euros or yen or whatever the cor- your, your currency is uh, in job advertisements online. Some cases, some companies spend hundreds of thousands of dollars advertising these jobs online. And this isn't just Indeed or Nature Jobs or Google or Posting, but it's also all the money that they pour into their human resources department. Instead of having one hiring manager, they'll have multiple hiring managers, uh, multiple hiring manager assistants. They set up contracts with recruiters and external recruiting firms. They build their own in-house recruitment firms. Uh, They hire talent acquisition specialists or they hire third-party talent acquisition specialists. And we saw this. A lot of you were talking to recruiters before the pandemic. Once the pandemic hit, they went silent and the silence was deafening. So what happened? Wouldn't these people still want to get you hired so they can get their commission? Yes, they do, but all of their contracts were severed. 
the first thing that companies did when the pandemic hit is they severed all their contracts with recruiters. They laid off their human resources staff, many of them. Uh, they stopped building internal recruitments. They took all of that money and resources, and you, and you know where they funneled it instead? Into the marketing department. Now, let's unpack this. Why would they do that? Because when the economy slows down, people stop spending. So to get people to spend, which a company needs to do on their products, their services, their treatments, et cetera, or else they go out of business, they have to advertise, right? Marketing, whether it's online advertisements, TV commercials, et cetera. So when the economy's booming, people are out there spending, everybody's chasing pleasure instead of avoiding pain. And when this happens, you don't need to spend a lot of money on marketing because people are spending at will. Times are good. They're not in a uh, limited mindset. They're not in a scarcity mindset. That all has changed. Spending has plummeted. Consumer confidence worldwide has plummeted. So companies have to pay for 10 TV commercials or advertisements now for every one that they were paying for before. Where do they get that money? From the hiring department. And so now, in a sense, uh, the supply and demand has shifted. There is an oversupply of job candidates, and there is very little demand for hiring right now. Now, the good news is, is that when a sector of industry contracts, others open up. Just like many startups may have gone out of business because of the pandemic, many new startups are uh, uh, being built right now. Uh, They're springing forth in sectors of antivirals, infectious diseases, respirators, ventilators, et cetera, but many other things as well. Because again, when there's a contraction in a sector of industry, there's an expansion somewhere else, and we're going to help you find out where that expansion is. Uh, But first, I want to continue by helping you understand where we are now so that you have the facts, you have the data. I don't want you to hide from it. We've been posting, and and I've been doing a lot of this posting myself, not just our our team at Cheeky Scientist, on all the different articles that are coming out uh, showing you how much uh, at risk you are if you put all your hopes in academia. And respectfully, if you put all your hopes in the government, you're also at risk. And I'm going to show you exactly why we're going to talk it through here. Um, even a simple search online shows the skyrocketing unemployment numbers. Um, but you have to do a special, you have to do a, you got to be a bit more specific in terms of your searches if you want to know what's happening in academia. Um, academia tends to hide uh, their spending cuts. They will start the same way they started in 2008. And one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about helping you make this shift to the job search methodology you need for a recession is because it's very different. And because I, entered my job search as a PhD after the 2008 financial crisis. Now, there are some differences in that crisis versus this crisis, but there always is some sort of trigger that creates a correction in the financial market and a correction in the job market, and it happens every 10 or so years. We're not going to go into economic theory or cycles here in depth, but you know whether it was the, the dot-com uh, bust in the 1990s, the 2008 financial crisis, or what we're experiencing now, there's a trigger. In this case, it's the pandemic. In 2008, it was the housing bubble. One difference now that's going to make things even worse is that instead of just half of the world, half of the markets being depressed, uh, which is what usually happens, because again, like I just said, when a sector contracts, others expand, um, in 2008, North America, Australia, Europe, uh, many countries uh, experienced a contraction, but others expanded during that time. Uh, Asia markets, uh, parts of Australia for a while, um, they they expanded before they contracted. Uh, So there was some expansion to counterbalance the contraction. But now all countries are being depressed right now. All economies are being depressed. And so what does this mean? 
Well, again, if you understand it, if you if we learn the lessons that we learned in 2008, you can stay ahead of it. You can get hired right now while other people are burying their heads in the sand, again, evading reality, watching Netflix all day, and so forth. Um, but if you look at the data, if, if you follow us on, on Facebook or social media where we're sharing a lot of this, you can see that uh, what you're going to hear first is about the hiring freezes. Now, this is strategically done. Academic institutions, they don't want to scare off their postdocs, their TAs, everybody else right away. So they say there's a hiring freeze. And their argument is, is that, well, everybody here is, is taken care of. This is just a hiring freeze, right? We're just not going to hire into any new positions. But this is the tip of the iceberg. This is always where they start. This is where they started in 2008. And I was oblivious to it as a PhD student. I was insulated. I said, this isn't going to affect me. Um, but I, I was very wrong because it did affect me. And I'm going to talk about how it affects every different type of PhD, uh, no matter where you are in your PhD career, and of course, what you can do about it. Uh, so for me, I was a PhD student. I was the most insulated. I thought, okay, I'm fine. There's a hiring freeze. It doesn't affect me. You, see, you saw the last few weeks, and we've been saying it for months that this was the first step, hiring freezes across the world at universities. Now what you're seeing is the furloughs, right? So first come the hiring freezes, then come the furloughs or the layoffs, the cuts, the spending freezes. Here's the key is they're not going to tap you on the shoulder if you're a postdoc or a TA, if you're working remotely right now, if they've been telling you everything's okay. They're not going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, in three weeks, we're having a spending freeze. You're going to lose your job. Because if they did, what would happen? Panic. And they would have swarms of, of postdocs and TAs and, and media and et cetera, uh, you know, freaking out about all of them losing their jobs. So what they do is they wait until the last possible moment. So there's no panic. And so you continue to work during this time if you are working remotely. And then they tell you, spending freeze, you're out of a job. This has already been happening and it's just going to continue to happen. There's a lot in the media right now. Um, as unemployment skyrockets, universities are affected. And I'm just surprised by how many people have been commenting on our posts online saying, oh, my lab's fine. This doesn't happen to national labs. Not true. I recently I interviewed uh, the postdoc director at Harvard Medical School, and he was a postdoc uh, during the 2008 financial crisis. And he talked about, he was working at the NIH, and he talked about how even at the NIH, uh, they call them big L's and little L's, so big labs or little labs. A lot of the big L's became little labs. A lot of the little labs were gone or had to be combined with other little L's. And that's what I saw too. I saw a lot of labs shutting down, uh, a lot of classrooms, a lot of uh, fund, obviously funding disappeared. In 2007, you went from having some of the highest levels of grant funding to immediately some of the lowest levels. It went from a very happy time, a very growth oriented time, again, chasing pleasure. And in that sense, we're just talking about pleasure in terms of the gains, that growth mindset you know, how, how can we explore this area, that discovery mindset where PhDs and scientists and research and, and engineers, STEM, non-STEM, everybody, we all thrive in that area. But when we get into the scarcity mindset and we start avoiding risk, whether it's people piling up, in, you know, piling up toilet paper or, you know, piling up uh, uh, food or whatever it is, that just shows you the scarcity mindset that's out there. People behave very differently when they're trying to avoid pain, including employers. But what you need to know is that the universities aren't going to be able to save you. Academia can't save you. They're going to be the last to get the level of funding that they need. So the stimulus packages that have been released in governments around the world, the intentions are good, but no one government, no matter how small the country is, can supply 100% of the, the funding or the economy. No one government can replace an entire economy, no matter how the, small the country is. So if you take places like uh, Germany or France, or the UK, the US, Australia, right? Again, it doesn't matter the size. They cannot replace 100% of the economy. So there is going to be pain. There is going to be an unemployment layoffs. 
you're going to see this in academia and it is going to get bad. It's going to be especially bad for postdocs and TAs because postdocs, uh, most of the time around the world, they're not considered employees. Same with TAs. Now, some of the adjuncts will be taken care of, but even many of them are going to experience uh, pay cuts or uh, uh, you know, salary cuts or funding cuts, etc. A lot of them will be let go or encouraged to leave. In 2008, a lot of tenured faculty were encouraged, quote unquote, encouraged to leave, which really just means they're, they're forced out. They don't allow them to have classes or anything to do, and they retire early. Okay, so things are going to get bad. If you read a little bit about what happened in academia after 2008, you can start to prepare for it. The key is, is that you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Okay, you have to stay solution focused the best that you can, um, but you really need to build a safety net for your career. You have to start preparing your transition because unlike industry where certain areas will contract and others will expand, there's not a lot of expansion. There's just going to be overwhelming depression, a lot of contraction. And this is because a lot of their funding relies on government funding, and the government has to take a lot of that quote-unquote extra funding, and unfortunately, that's the way a lot of people see it, and put it towards the economy or stimulus for unemployed in the private sector. And universities do get left behind. And let me frame it to you this way. If the university has done, and academia in general, has done such a poor job taking care of PhDs, even when times are good, even in January, all throughout 2019, through the hiring boom, when the economy was great, PhDs were not taken care of by academia. They simply weren't. In many countries, the universities fought governments to prevent postdocs from getting overtime pay. Think of that. The universities, where the, the PhDs, the postdocs who keep them alive in terms of the, the PhD level work, the graduate schools, the research, etc., they actively fought against the government to give you overtime pay. And that was during a hiring boom, during a great economy. What do you think they're going to do now? Do you think they're going to, if they're not going to take care of you when times are good, they're definitely not going to take care of you during a crisis. You have to take care of yourself. And that's what we want to focus on here. So a lot of PhDs have been asking me in comments on social media, whether you're following me on LinkedIn or, or you're following Cheeky Scientist or you're a member of some of our programs, uh, they've been asking, okay, well, what, what do the next few months or few years look like? Now, if you look at 2008, and again, this is something that I experienced firsthand. Many people did. It's the, the, the closest crash that we can evaluate and learn from right now. You had that trigger. It was the housing bubble in 2008. Now it is the coronavirus and the financial markets crash first. Then after the financial markets crash, the governments, they, you know, they get together to do something and they, they have a stimulus plan. In 2008, in the U.S., it was called TARP. It was called many different things in different countries. And the key here is that when that stimulus started to get dispersed, which takes a couple of months, even after it started to get dispersed, the financial markets continued to go down. So if you look at charts on this, you can see that in around October of 2008, the fall of 2008 is when the initial crash happened in terms of the financial markets. And in the fall, the disbursements uh, for the stimulus plans, the, the government health, the aid started to arrive in November and it peaked in January of 2009. However, the financial markets continued to crash. There was a lot of volatility. Some weeks it went up, some weeks it went down, which is what we're seeing in global markets right now. But the, the bottom, the bottom of the market wasn't experienced until March of 2009. So that's 
several months, about six months after the initial crash. So if the initial crash globally, we, we say mid-February, you're looking at March, April, May, June, July, August. You're looking at this summer as being the bottom of the financial markets. Now, why does this matter? Because the job market follows the financial market. So we've already had several weeks of, of uh, record-breaking weeks in terms of overall unemployment, unemployment in the private sector, furloughs in academia, uh, nonprofits, et cetera. This data is starting to come in. And a lot of countries are reporting it differently to hide, in a sense, just how bad things are. All right, so the U.S. has had six million, over six million unemployment claims in the last couple of weeks, a record beyond anything that's been seen for, for about 30 years. Uh, many other countries are experiencing the same thing. But here, here's the key, that, that data that just came out for Q1. So Q1 is January, February, March, quarter one, a lot of businesses follow uh, that, that uh, particular financial calendar. The Q1 data just came out, but the surveys for the Q1 data stopped mid-March and things really got bad at the end of March. They're, they're going to be really bad through April as well. So we're not even seeing the peak of the job losses yet. Now that data is going to start to come out. And as that data comes out, as the data for how uh, poorly private uh, public companies are doing, because they have to report this publicly, um, as the data comes out for the number of job losses, the actual number of job losses worldwide, as this data comes out, the financial markets will continue to go down. We'll see GDP, depending on what country you're in, you'll see the GDP continue to go down. Financial markets will go down. The job market will go down. And if you look at data in terms of unemployment, depending on the country, but if you look at it uh, in many of the countries in 2008, unemployment peaked at about the beginning of 2010, okay? So remember, the, the crash back then happened in 2008. Uh, unemployment peaked around 2010. So you're looking at a year of job losses, at least a year of job losses. And in terms of the amount of time it took for unemployment to stabilize to the levels that it was at before the crash, you may not want to hear this, but it was about three or four years. Now, I think given the circumstances, um, given how fast information flows today, that the rebound could happen quicker than that, but you should be prepared to be in a recession for two or three years. They may not be the, the news that you want, but here's the good news, is that the recession is going to affect non-PhDs uh, much more than it affects you PhDs because of your training. Now, I don't say that in a callous way. I just say that you've worked hard. You've prepared. You have skill sets that are in high demand right now in industry. And I'm going to tell you what those are. And you need to leverage those for the job market, you need to look at the jobs that can be a safety net for your PhD career. You need to start taking your career into your own hands. You need to realize that, look, things were never that good in academia. In fact, there's data from nature showing that over the past 30 years, the gap between PhDs being created and the number of professorships being created, the gap has enlarged uh, astronomically, almost exponentially. And even the professorships that have gone up, if you look at overall professorships, most of them are adjunct, part-time, and contractor. Why? Because they're cheaper. And academia is all about cheap labor. If you, if you look at what's happened to full-time professorships over the last 30, 40 years, they've gone from 80% of the total professorships down to less than 20% now. Think of that. So you have all professors, all, all faculty members. How many of them were full-time back in the 1970s? up to 80%. Now, less than 20%. This is important because a lot of PhDs still think that there's a future for them in academia and they'll let 
lifetime academics hold a carrot out in front of them saying, hey, of course it's hard. Of course it's hard to be a professor. That's why it's worthwhile. I'm telling you that it's impossible. Chasing something that is impossible is foolish. Chasing something that's difficult can be noble and worthy, but if it's impossible, if it doesn't exist, not impossible in the good way where it's like, oh, it's really hard to do, but it's not even going to be there. And, and data continues to come out that doing a postdoc damages your career, even in academia. Uh, there's data from nature that shows that if you do a postdoc, you will never catch up to somebody who did not do a postdoc in terms of salary and career trajectory. And this is for an industry, government, nonprofit, uh, academic research. The best data on this is from a, a paper in Nature Biotechnology uh, from 2017. Uh, but the data has continued to pour out. So what can you do? You need to prepare for a job search. You need to prepare for your job search in a recession. Our radio shows moving forward, we're going to do multiple per week so that you can stay informed, so you can stay on the cutting edge of a recession job search, so you can recession-proof your career, so you can build that safety net. You can look at careers like analyst careers. A lot of PhDs don't realize that, yes, a lot of R&D labs are shut down, which means that they should stop looking for quote-unquote research jobs or R&D researcher jobs and instead look for job titles like R&D analyst or business analyst or just data analyst, data scientist, user experience researcher. And don't let your background hold you back. We've seen We've seen people in the social sciences and humanities, because they have these key transferable skills I'm going to tell you about in a second, we've seen them get into these analyst careers. So whether you're STEM or non-STEM, life scientist, physical scientist, uh, which includes chemists or physicists, uh, engineers, et cetera, you can get hired right now. Now, you need to brush up on your virtual job search training. you got to make sure that you bring your uh, best self and your best trained self to a video interview, to a phone screen, because these are not the intermediator, uh, intermediate steps right now for getting hired. They are the final steps. There's no site visits happening currently. They will resume again, but right now they're not. The people that are getting hired are doing really well on their video interviews. They're doing really well on their phone screens. Now, what makes you unique as a PhD, what makes you so valuable in this particular job market um, in a recession, especially in this post-pandemic recession that we're entering, is that you can do two things that the world realizes are highly valuable right now. Now, let me just set the stage for this, because even before the coronavirus crisis, uh, before entering into this post-pandemic economy, McKinsey & Company, one of the world's largest and most respected management consulting firms, uh, found that there was a 20% deficit in the job market for job candidates who had two skills, two skills that PhDs hear and they're like, oh, that's silly. Everybody has these skills, but they don't. As PhDs, we sometimes forget that only 1.6% of the population has a PhD, that only 1.6% of the population has a doctor of philosophy. Only 1.6% of the population is a doctor of knowledge and the ability to ascertain knowledge, is a doctor of learning, which means you can learn on the job better than anybody else. Only 1.6% of the population can innovate because that's what's required to get a PhD. You have to go beyond mastering a field, that's a master's degree, to pushing a field forward. You have to discover at the highest level to do that. And how does that happen, no matter what type of PhD you are? With these two skills that McKinsey and company was talking about. And now, post-pandemic, because we have seen, the world has seen on the world stage what happens when people don't follow the data, when they do not follow credible information, when they are looking at dirty data, when they're making decisions based on uh, models 
right? Life and death decisions based on a, a scientific model that has not been properly vetted that could be changed every single week when they're looking at dirty data versus clean data. They have seen the value of the two skills that you have, which is number one, your ability to do research, your ability to collect credible and correct information and or data, right? So if you're a social scientist, humanities, I'm talking to you too, because it's information and or data, any type of PhD. Again, life scientists, I'm talking to you, physical scientists, the chemists, the physicists, the engineers, no matter what your background is, do not get hung up on that. Just as a quick aside, before I tell you the second skill, I have people come up to me a lot and say, hey, Isaiah, I'm, I'm a, a B-cell development immunologist, or I'm a computational analytical chemist. There's no jobs out there for me. I'm like, well, what are you searching for? They're like, well, B-cell development immunologist. Like, no company posts a job title like that. No hiring manager who doesn't have a PhD posts a job title with a niche academic background as the job title. You are being foolish if that's what you're looking for. Instead, they'll post not even immunologist, not even chemist. They're going to post maybe scientist. It could be even more generic. They could just post analyst or data analyst. Do you understand? So no matter what your PhD background is, do not count yourself out. You are valuable because you can do research. Most people cannot. If you've ever seen somebody try to Google information who doesn't have a PhD, it'll be the most painful experience of your life. And then you'll realize how valuable you are. You can research information and data, collect it, clean it, as in make it credible, organize it better than anybody else in the world. And the world needs this right now. And more importantly, they know they need it right now. Number two, you can analyze that data. You can analyze it to find trends, to find outliers, to see if it matters. And then you can use that data, which is part of this analysis process, to make informed decisions, to find solutions, to adjust behavior, to create action steps. That's why industry needs you. Research and analysis. Most PhDs, they don't even put this on their resumes. Most PhDs, they don't even communicate this. They're not even, they're not even adjusting their behavior, their job search, to the current environment that we're in, and you need to do this. As we go through this special series, this new radio show format, I'm going to walk you through exactly what you need to do for your resumes. I'm going to walk you through exactly what you need to do for your LinkedIn profiles, how they need to change. Right now, employers are looking to reduce risk. Before January and before, before the pandemic happened, they were seeking pleasure. They were seeking growth, right? So when I say pleasure, I mean the, the spectrum of pain and pleasure. People at, at the most basic level, they are, you know, in terms of behavioral psychology, they're going after pleasure, avoiding pain. When things are good, times are good. They have that growth mindset. They're going towards growth. They want to advance into new sectors. They want to grow their team. They want to really push the limit. Keep, they want to keep their foot on the gas pedal. But in a recession, it's com the complete opposite. They want to avoid risk. All they're thinking about is risk mitigation. Not only this, but they've reduced their hiring department. They've reduced their human resources department. In many cases, they might have one hiring manager, and that hiring manager might be doing other jobs. And they're only hiring through word of mouth, which means that you cannot, that you cannot get hired just by uploading a resume online anymore. Those days are over. That does not happen in a recession. You need to get a referral, which means you need to network. You need to get access to a job referral network. You have to network with people. You have to set up informational interviews. These are things that we are going to cover um, throughout this radio show series uh, in this new radio show format, format. But you need to understand the game has changed. You can't be against the game. You can't be against the new rules. You can't 
turn back time. We are in this recession. We are where we are. Step into that objective mindset that you can easily step into more, more easily than anybody else because you are a PhD, because you've honed that skill set to be objective and look at the landscape the way it is now and then adjust yourself to it so you can be successful. Realize that key jobs, medical writing, uh, which is an umbrella term for 20 different types of uh, engineering or technical writing or regulatory writing or STEM writing, this is a safety net, net for you. Analyst jobs, any kind of data analyst, data scientist, user experience analyst, and so forth, these are safety net positions for you as well. They are surging right now. We're seeing people in all of our groups, our members, getting hired in these positions right now. Medical science liaison, cl clinical trials researcher, data manager, et cetera. Medical affairs, regulatory affairs. These jobs right now are surging while others contract. IP, right? When things get disrupted, a lot of entrepreneurs start to innovate. A lot of new intellectual property comes out. What does this mean? Patent examiners, patent agents. These positions are surging right now. P they, they are hiring PhDs into these roles more than ever before. Um, there are many other positions that are surging. You're going to find out about them here. We're going to do interviews here on this radio show with people getting hired right now so that you know how to adjust your job search methodology during a recession. So hopefully this radio show has set the stage for you, has helped you come to terms with where we are now, has helped you come, come to terms and to be able to step into your audience's perspective, your audience being employers right now. They're looking to mitigate risk, which means that your language on your resumes, your LinkedIn profiles while networking needs to show them that you are the least riskiest candidate. You are the safest candidate and you need to start protecting your career in turn by getting the right information here with Cheeky Scientist and the Cheeky Scientist Radio Show. If you want to join the Cheeky Scientist Association, our flagship program, you pay one membership fee, you get lifetime access, you get access to over 10,000 members in this program, PhDs working in an industry who you can set up informational interviews with, get referrals from, as well as a dashboard with dozens of courses that will train you on everything from resumes, LinkedIn profiles, networking, informational interviews, uh, interviewing, virtual interviews, video interviews, phone screens, uh, interview presentations, and much, much more. We continue to add to the program. If you are interested in this program and becoming a member now, you can get in for a lower price right now through this radio show by using the coupon code CheekyRadio2020. CheekyRadio2020. This will give you a 10% discount on a membership. Just go to phdsgethired.com. PhDs gethired.com. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Pump, pump,